Welcome to Word of Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will move to and through you from today's message. If this podcast helps you spiritually, will you consider helping us naturally? You can give online or become a monthly partner as we aim to help more ministries and release more content. You can give online today at thelife.cc. Enjoy today's message. Today we're starting a new series. I'll take a break next week for Mother's Day, but it's just entitled The Generosity Journey. And if there's two subjects I do not have to study for to preach on, this is one of them. Uh, Giving and forgiving are two keys that the Lord has dealt with my heart about more than anything else in my life. Um, I've studied those things in in thorough, and anytime I have it on my heart to teach on them, I am fired up to go in that direction. Uh, So with that in mind, let's open up our Bibles today. We're going to the book of Mark on the screens. They'll take it to John chapter 14. We're looking at Mark chapter 12 and verse number 41 on the screens. They're going to pull up. In the book of John, John 14 and 9. Um, now, John's important uh, for today's teaching, and it's important for a lot of our teachings because this is a framework by which we understand much of Scripture. Uh, the New Testament is our new covenant. That's the covenant me and you live in. And if you understand this verse, it opens up the New Testament to you, and it opens up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Jesus is having a conversation with one of his disciples. That disciple's name is Philip, and it's about to get real awkward for Philip. Uh, Jesus was not uh, intimidated to put people in awkward moments, and I know this was an awkward one for Philip. Philip kept hearing Jesus reference the Father, uh, the Father God, like, you know, the Father is telling me to do this and all those things. And so Philip's like, well, can you show us the Father? Like, you you mention him so much, you talk about him so much, can you show us the Father? And watch what Jesus says here in John chapter 14 and verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus is saying, do you want to know what God is like? Look at me. If you see me, you've seen the Father. How does the Father interact with sin? Watch how I interact with sin. How does the Father interact with Pharisees? Look at how I interact with Pharisees. When you see Jesus, you see the Father. And so Jesus came to provide clarity on exactly who the Father was and what the Father looked like, which is why uh, if you are a Christian and you worship God, that you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because when you see Jesus, you understand who our Heavenly Father is. So with that in mind, uh, let's look at Mark chapter 12, and let's look here in verse number 41. It says here, and he, he being Jesus, if we've seen Jesus, who have we seen? The Father. And he sat down opposite the treasury. Now, this is the place where people are giving. So today, it would be him sitting against our tithes and offering receptacles at whatever location you're worshiping at. Uh, for me, I give through text, so uh, he's at that text portal. He's, he's looking at the treasury there. He's looking at what I'm giving through. Uh, however you do your giving, Jesus is watching that. And if Jesus is watching the treasury, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the Father is watching that. And he's set opposite the treasury, And began observing how, we're going to major on that, how 
the people were putting money into the treasury. And many rich people were putting in large sums. But a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which amount to a cent. And calling his disciples to him, he said to them, Truly I say unto you, this poor widow put in more. Now, we talked about we're going to come back to how. We're going to come back to this. She put in more. It's like, well, how could she put in more? She put in two cents. The rest were putting in, you know, lots of money. But she put in more. It's, it's more than money. She put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they all put in and out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned and all that she had to live on. Um, so if we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. There are three things that this teaches us about the Father. I want to cover each one, the first one and the third one, a little bit more in-depthly. Number one, the first thing this teaches us is God watches what I give, and it deeply matters to him. God watches what I give. Jesus sat against the treasury watching what people gave, watching how they gave it. Uh, whenever I give uh, through my online text portal, God is watching me do that. He's watching me. Uh, when you give today, some of you will give today in the church through the offering receptacles. God saw that. Uh, for some of you, maybe uh, watching by Fox, maybe you go to churches that pass buckets. When you put something in the bucket, God watched you do that. Uh, when you give, God watches. And this is not just true like at the treasury at a church. This is true when you give to the poor. Uh, Jesus said, whatever you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. It, it wasn't something that escaped my, my view. Now, this is not like God sitting up in heaven like at the, you know, the principal's office. I actually had to go to the principal's office this past week. True story. I had to go to the principal's office this week. My kid was not in trouble, thank you, Lord. Um, but it was just one of those things. I had a meeting with the principal. And I'm in there, and like, he's like, you go in there, I'll come in in a minute. I've got to do some things. And so I'm sitting in the principal's office. I'm like, I am nervous in the principal's office. Um, and so I think a lot of times when we think, God is watching the treasury, it's like this nerve-wracking kind of moment. No, it's not that. Um, God is so blessed when you give. It blesses him so much that he pays attention to it. When someone has a need and you give, it's compassion. Uh, when, when you see somebody, like the other day, I had a young couple come up in my heart. And I, I can remember what it's like to be a young couple. Uh, I'm still young, don't get me wrong, uh, but I've been married uh, in July. It'll be 18 years. What? What? Yes. So, you know, I, I, I know of some couples, like they've been married like a month. <laughs> that kind of thing. Young couple. And I know what it's like to have like kids and small kids where you have to have a sitter and you have to, you know, save up to go on a date night. Like all those kinds of things. And so like I'll give to that. What is that? That's compassion. It's compassion. Giving need is compassion. The, the, the issue is God doesn't have a need. If God had a need, the thing that he needed would be God. 
But when we give, we're not just meeting needs. You can also give to meet a desire. And when you give to meet a need, that's compassion. When you give to meet a desire, that's affection. Um, I have. There are shoes that my children have. They need shoes. Um, So that's compassion to make sure they have that. But they also have shoes that are more fashionable. That's a desire. I gave them those shoes out of uh, affection for them. And when you give to that couple or you give to the church, because like the church has needs, like there's electricity needs and there's staffing needs and there's outreach needs, you gave the church or the person or the couple what they needed, but you didn't just give uh, based off of compassion. There was also, or at least there should be, and we'll talk about this in depth, affection, where you're meeting the Lord's desire. Because God watches what you give, and the posture of your heart matters to him. In Acts, we see this, and don't just take my word for any of this. We're going to look at a lot of scripture. In Acts chapter 10, there's a guy by the name of Cornelius. This guy's awesome. He is not saved. He doesn't even know who Jesus is. But he has fallen in love with the God of the Jewish people. And he is serving this God with prayers, and he's given to God's people. He's like, just, you know, giving so liberally. And he's at this place in his life where Jesus is about to make himself known to this man by the name of Cornelius. And he sends an angel to tell Cornelius something. And I'll tell you what, I read this, and this whole week, this has blessed me. And I've read this hundreds of times in my life. I don't know why this, like, got me this week. I mean, it got me. Uh, In Acts 10 and verse 1, now there was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort. That just means he's a powerful person. Uh, Basically, underneath his leadership, he had 100 men who answered to his command. Uh, And so he's got this position of power. But instead of using this position of power to abuse it, he's using it to, to advance God's kingdom. And he has this authority and he's using it for the Lord. He's a devout man. One who feared God with all his household and gave many alms. Now, this is giving to the poor, to the Jewish people, and prayed to God continually. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God. An angel appears to him. And he had just come in and he said unto him, Cornelius. Now, he's about to get afraid, (laughs) which you can imagine. If you were sitting there having your afternoon coffee and an angel appeared to you, you might be afraid too. And fixing his gaze on him and being much alarmed, he said, what is it, Lord? And he said unto him, watch this, watch this, God watches when you give. Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now, memorial is not a word that we use a lot. I've been thinking about it a little bit more than lately because my son is actually right now on a plane going to Washington, D.C. with some of the kids from his class. That's why I was meeting with the principal. Uh, With some of the kids to his class to look at memorials, things that our nation has decided to keep in front of our remembrance. And here he tells Cornelius, and we see it with Jesus in Mark 12, I have been watching what you have been giving. And it matters to me. And I'm sure Cornelius is like, well, I was just given to the poor. Like it was compassion in his arms. He's like, I know. To them it was compassion. For me it was affection. 
because I have been mindful and I have been watching what you have been doing with your money. And for you to take it in in the direction of my purposes, to establish my kingdom, and because you love them because of your love for me, it has not escaped my view. It mattered to me. And it has been ever before me. And I'm telling you, you're giving matters to God. You're not just typing money in on a phone and typing numbers in. You're not just writing a check and like that kind of thing and dropping it off. Or the $40 that's automatically drafted from your account to support blank missionary. It's not just need meeting. It ministers to God. He watches it. He sees it. He, he knows what it means And we're going to major on this. He knows what it means to you. He knows the percentage. He knows if it was a lot. He knows if it was a little. And he knows if it was all you had. If it was your last two mites. He knows. He's God. He knows everything. But it's not like, I'm watching you. It's like, I am watching you. And you having a heart for me. And you having a heart for my people. And you having a heart for my kingdom. I do not forget about it. Now, this is not just like a one-off in Cornelius' life. This is literally all throughout Scripture. Another example of this is Philippians chapter 4. They'll put this up on the screen. Philippians 4 and verse 14. This Philippians 4 is quoted a lot for, My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. This verse is so often taken out of context. That was not written to every believer. That was written to the believers at the church at Philippi. And the church at Philippi was doing something. Watch what they were doing. Philippians 4 and verse 14. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. What's he talking about? I, he's, Paul's in ministry. He's like, the ministry went through a place of tough times. When it went through that place of tough times, you joined alongside the ministry and you gave to it financially. And he said, you have done well to share within my affliction. What is this? This is compassion. This is need meeting. The ministry has a need. I'm sending money. And so they sent this money to to meet this need. And Paul's like, thank you. But watch his teaching here. Uh, He says, you yourselves know at Philippi that at the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you only. Now you can keep that up there real quick. No church shared with me. Uh, Now we think in our minds, everybody's generous. And Paul's like, nope. You're the only one who helped me. And did you know today in America, the average Christian gives 1.87% of their income? 1.87% of their income. And the rate actually goes down the more money you make. Meaning people who make less money are actually more generous. By percentage. And I have all the statistics, but I don't want to bore you. But just to say, we think like, oh, everybody gave. No, Paul said. And we think today, well, everybody's given. Nope. And you know what? It matters to the kingdom. Paul, uh, Paul kind of hits at this, but in Malachi, you, you know the story with tithes and offerings. God's like, you have robbed me. And like, how have we robbed you? He said in tithes and in offerings. And then he says, you're familiar with it, at least those of you who attended churches. It's like, you have robbed the whole nation. And what's he saying there? It's hurt the kingdom. 
Uh, It's made the ministries not have all that they need. It's making the temple not have what it needs to function. And this is what Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, except it's on the opposite. He said, no other church gave, but you did. And he says, watch what it did uh, for me. No other church in the matter of giving and receiving, but you only. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift, watch this, once and and, and again for my needs. So what is this? Compassion. Paul's got a need. We're going to meet the need. We're going to give to it financially. He says, "I, I got that. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit. This is so interesting to me. Which, and we can keep this up here on the screens, which increases to your account. Now, we know here on the earth that you have a checking and a savings account uh, or, you know, some type of an account that you may have automatic draft in or like you cut a check and deposit it into your account. And that when you give that money into that account, like you may even lose the physical dollars. You go to the bank and it's like, I'd like to put $100 in my account. You put the $100 bill in the account. You didn't lose it. You don't see it anymore. But it's in an account that the the bank has. And here, what Paul's saying is there is a heavenly account. And when you gave that money, you did not lose that money. It did not just go to meet my needs. It went into a heavenly account. And then he says this, verse 18. But I have received, and this is the way God wants his ministries. This is the way God wants his churches. This is the way he wants the Apostle Paul's ministry, the missionaries that we support. This is the way we want their ministries. I have received everything in full and have abundance. And I am amply supplied, amen, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. Now watch this. It shifts. It shifts. Up to this point, all he's been talking about is thank you for meeting my needs. I am well supplied, fully supplied, ready to do some ministry, ready to rock and roll. You've relieved the burden. You sent the money. It made the difference. Yes. But he said, it's not just my need that you met. It did something else. God saw it. And when you did this, it met my need, but it met his desire. And watch what he says. It went up. As a fragrant aroma. It went up as an acceptable sacrifice. It went up well-pleasing to God. Cornelius, God's been watching your giving. It's like a memorial before him. It has not escaped his view. Church at Philippi, God was so blessed by your giving. He said it's like a sweet-smelling aroma that went up. It's like cookies coming out of the oven to God. It's like you love me. I knew you loved me. Have you ever been well pleased? Sometimes, and I've had some of these moments here recently. Man, it's meant the world to me. But like I've I've just looked at my kids and I'm like, I'm well pleased. Now, I always love them. Always love them. Even when they're just dumb. Uh, I love them. My son, before he went on this trip, I'm like, have fun. He's like, yes, sir. I'm like, don't be stupid. I'm like, when boys get together in mass, stupid multiplies. And so out of this, there are moments, though, when they're not stupid. <laughs> they are well-pleasing. And it's like, what? You did what for your mom? Like, come on. That's awesome. And God's that way. He always loves you. Always. He has set his affection on me. But there are moments 
where God's like, you did what? Come on, son. It means something to him. It means something to him. Jesus sat down by the treasury and he watched him. And God's watching it too. Not to accuse us, not to condemn us. It blesses him. He doesn't forget it. It's like a sweet-smelling aroma to him. Second thing this teaches us, number two, and I won't major on this one. They'll put it up on the screen. God watches the percentage and the amount I give. He saw that out of their abundance they were giving. That word abundance literally means out of their surplus. So here you had individuals who were worth a good, good chunk of change. And basically what this means is they had needs and desires. They met those needs and desires for themselves financially. And then after they met their needs and desires, they had extra, surplus, abundance. And out of that, they're like, what do we do with this abundance? And it's like, I know what we should do. We'll give some to the treasury. And so they come down to the temple and out of their abundance, out of their surplus, they cast in. And for them, it was a lot. But it was extra after needs and desires were met. This other woman came in and he knew exactly what she gave, her two cents. And he knew the percentage. Why? She didn't broadcast it. He's Jesus. He's God. They know everything. He knew the percentage and he knew the amount and it mattered to him. It blessed him. And thirdly, this is the point I want to major on. Number three, He watches how I give. (laughs) This is, without a doubt, something I am trying to work on even in my own life. That the Lord Jesus is blessed as much, or I go as far as to say this, and Lord, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe even more, how I give more than what I give. Because to God, it's not about the money. It's not about dollars or pesos or lambs or grain. Exactly. Somebody said it here at Lakeland. I'm sure somebody did at Highland Colony Fondren and Poindexter as well. But it's about the heart. It's about what is in your heart. And the dollar, the peso, the cow, the grain is symbolic of my affection for him. It's symbolic of my honor for him. It's symbolic of my faith for him. And my concern is, for a lot of people, they're giving the money, but not giving the honor. They're giving the money, but not giving the sacrifice. And for God, how I give what I give matters as much or more as what I give. Because here, these rich are giving it, but it's not affecting their heart at all. It's just coming out of their abundance. For her, it was a, she felt it. She felt that gift. She felt it. And it was an act of, I love you more than I love myself. And it was an act of, I care about this house's needs more than I care about my needs. I care about the temple of God more than I care about my house. I care about what's going on in God's kingdom more than I care about what's going on in mine. God got that. The church got the money. God got the honor. In, in Hebrews, we have this taught, and I, I really want to explore this perhaps in this series. Maybe not. We'll see. But in Hebrews chapter 6, we see Jesus referred to twice as a high priest 
not, well, I shouldn't say as a high priest, as the high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now, that's, that's phenomenal and so interesting. Somebody says, why? Because there's a lot of priests in the Old Testament. You got Samuel, you got Eli, you got Aaron, lots of famous people, uh, lots of famous priests. But he's not a priest after Samuel. He's not a priest after Eli. He's not a priest, you know, after Aaron. He's a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And the only thing we know about Melchizedek is that he existed before the law. He received tithes from Abraham. That's all he did. He received tithes from Abraham. And after he received those tithes, he blessed Abraham. And Jesus said, you want to know who I'm like? We're like, who, Jesus? He's like, Melchizedek. And so as he's teaching this in Hebrews 6 and 7, he's saying, I receive tithes. But he gives this you know, analogy, very interesting, Hebrews 7 and verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Uh, do you see how this plays out? That here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them. Here, we receive them. There, he receives them. What in the world does that mean? Here's what it means. When you give to the church today, whatever it is you give, the church gets the money. There's not like a bank plus kind of like machine that like we, we hit and it goes to heaven and God's like, got the money. Uh, like that kind of thing. Like there's no tube. It's no, the money goes to the church. When you give to a young couple, like to go, they got the money. Uh, when you give to a missionary, the missionary got the money. Here, when you give, Mortal men get what you give. Uh, today, I was at Highland Colony for the 8.30 service, and uh, someone gave me a cheesecake. <laughs> Bless them. Linda Moat. Linda Moat can make a mean cheesecake. And I just happened to be walking out when Linda was walking out. And, and I'm like, Linda! And she's like, I made a cheesecake. I'm like, they're having a bake sale at Highland Colony today. She's like, I made a cheesecake. I'm like, that is awesome. She's like, let me get you a slice. I'm like, oh, God bless me. It did. I ate some before I came out. That's why I've got energy today. I feel the sugar. So, so out of that, uh, Linda made the cheesecake. I received the cheesecake. Jesus did not receive the cheesecake. I received the cheesecake. What does Jesus get? What does Jesus get? He gets the honor. He gets the love. He gets the sacrifice. We, we make it about money. It's not about money. In, in Philippians 4 and verse 18, watch this. Watch this. Philippians 4 verse 18. Notice, received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma. Watch, 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 watch. An acceptable sacrifice. I read that one day and thought, acceptable sacrifice. Could there be an unacceptable sacrifice? Could there be an unacceptable sacrifice? It's like, well, if there's an acceptable one, then there has to be an unacceptable one. I thought, what's the difference? And I kid you not, as clear as day in my heart, the Lord just spoke to me and said, is it a sacrifice? Or is it just dropped in? Did you know every sacrifice is not accepted by God? There are some sacrifices throughout Scripture that were not accepted. I'll give you two in Scripture. Genesis 4, you know this one. Cain and Abel, Genesis 4. Now the man had relations with his wife Eve. Wow. Uh, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. Verse 2. 
And again, she gave birth to his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of the flocks, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord. Now watch. In the course of time. You look that up and it's like, ah, when I get around to it. And ah, whatever's left over. I'll, I'll give it to the Lord. And so in the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4. Abel on his, watch, 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 watch. Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. Firstlings, fat portions, Cain, when I get around to it, I'll give him something. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. Now that's a whole nother message right there. When you sacrifice and you don't get anything. When you went on a diet for two weeks and you gained two pounds. (laughs) You get angry. And Cain gets angry because his sacrifice is not accepted. And the answer is, why wasn't it? What's, What's the answer to that question? It wasn't a sacrifice, Cain. It's not, what, and he's like, I gave the fruit. And God's like, but what was in it? What was in it? The altar got the fruit. It didn't magically appear uh, up in heaven. It got the fruit. What was in it? I get the honor. Was there any in it? I get the faith. Was there any in it? I get the love. Was there any in it? And the answer is no. For Abel, it's like, I'm going to give God the first And I'm going to give God the fat portions. I'm going to give him the very best. And what was that? The altar got the the, the lamb. The altar consumed what he put on it. God got the honor. God got the faith. It takes faith to give your first. It takes faith to give your best. God got the faith. And it mattered to the Lord. We see it again in the book of Malachi. Malachi chapter 1. Here he comes to him and and God speaks to his people. He says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? If I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, what? How have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. And they're like, but we gave you the food. Like, but what was in it? You say, have we defiled you? And that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. Why? But when you present the blind for a sacrifice, it's like, ah, we're not going to use that. Let's give it to God. Is that not evil? And you present the lame and the sick. Is that not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or why not, uh, would he receive it from you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? But now, will you not entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part? Will he receive any of you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? Oh, that you were among you. Watch, he says literally, I'd prefer you just shut down the church than you bring that to me. Oh, that there were among you one who would shut down the gates, that you might uselessly kindle fire upon my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. Verse 11. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place where incense is going to be offered to my name and a grain that is pure. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. 
but you are profaning it and that you say the table of the Lord is to be defiled as for its fruit and its food is to be despised. You also say how tiresome this is. It's like, we got to keep giving God what? Like that, All that church wants is my money. All these people want is my money. How tiresome it is. And you have disdainfully sniffed at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what was lame and sick. So you bring the offering. Should I be pleased? Should I receive it from your hand, says the Lord? But cursed be the swindler who has made Mel and his flock and bowels it, who sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. What, what is God saying here? God is saying You're thinking in your mind just because you gave the offering that that's what you did. Well, it's like I sent in the tithe, I sent in that. He's like, no, 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 no. The church got that. The altar got what you gave. I got what you put in it. I got what it meant to you. I got the sacrifice. I got the honor. Now, why does this matter? In Mark chapter 6, Jesus went to his own hometown, and the Bible says he could there do no mighty work. That he wanted to do some mighty works, but he could there do no mighty work. And you know why? Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor besides with those who have gotten familiar with him. He's like, I grew up around them. They got familiar around me, and out of that they did not honor that position. And those who don't honor are not honored. Those who honor God are honored by God. And he's like, I wanted to do more mighty works, but there was no honor. And he said, I couldn't do them either because there was no faith. He marveled at their unbelief. And that lack of honor and that lack of faith shut down what Jesus wanted to do in their lives. And what I'm saying is that for so many of us, we have treated generosity like it's a destination and not a journey. That we get to a certain place where we're generous and we've been generous for so long that we're not thinking about what we're giving. It's, it's not something where it's like, what if like we called around our family at our table and been like, you know what? We're about to tithe and we're about to give. And you know why we're going to do this? Because we wouldn't have squat without the Lord. The Lord has been gracious to us. The Lord has been good to us. The Lord has been kind to us. The Lord has been powerful in our lives. You should have met your daddy when he was a struggling 17-year-old when his father died. You should have met Joel Sims when he was broken and when he was wounded. You should have met him when he was a failure. You should have looked in his eyes when he was nothing. But the Lord with a mighty hand picked him up and brought him to this place. And everything I am is because God has been good to me. And the world will look and say, how could you give that amount of money to the church? How could you do that? That's just ludicrous to do that. And I would tell the world, how could I not? You know what the Lord has done for me? You know what the Lord has done for this church? You know what the Lord has given us? How could I not? I'm not trying to give 10%. I'm trying to give it all. And this is why, this is why, like we have Easter and Christmas productions, our biggest services. You know what we never do? Talk about money. Pass buckets. Got more people in the room. It's not about that. This is why I can get up and say, 16 straight years. It's our best year ever financially. This is not designed to try to get more money from you. 
What this is, is getting you on a generosity journey. And it's not a journey to this church getting more money or just you getting more money. This is a generosity journey that touches your heart, that brings you to a place of honor and devotion to Jesus, where your life is bent on bending knee to the one who gave his life for you. Now you can imagine, we got Mother's Day next week. I'm going to say it again for all the children, for all the husbands, you've been warned. Mother's Day is next week. Now, moms, I want you to think about this. Imagine you got a child in your life, and they come up to you, and they're like, Mom, this Mother's Day, I wanted to honor you. And so I wanted to give you this, and just picture it being like an extravagant gift. Maybe it's like um, a a meal, uh, you know, a gift card to your favorite restaurant, and a massage, and a facial. And it's like, how did you come up with this? And your child is like, you know what? I sold some stuff. And it was stuff that I really liked and wanted. But I care, I care about your interests more than I care about my own. And I care about your desire more than I care about my own. And so I wanted to, like, make this happen for you. And you're looking at it, and it's like, man, what do you feel in that moment? You might feel excitement because it's like, I get to get a facial or a massage or go have a nice meal. But what else are you feeling in that moment? Honored. What else are you feeling in that moment? Love. What else are you feeling? Affection, devotion. Is it meaning something to you? Yeah. Why? Because it's meaning something to them. It's kind of like a memorial, like you probably wouldn't forget that moment. It's kind of like a sweet aroma. It's like, this is, like, this is amazing. And, and you looked at them, you're like, how could you give that? And they came back with, how could I not? Like, I woke up this morning and had electricity. I, I realized you paid for that. And, and I charged my phone last night and like plugged it in. You paid for the electricity and charged my phone. And speaking of the phone, you gave me the phone and you paid for the cellular data plan on it. Like, that's amazing. And then I went to my closet. I'm like, I got clothes in here. Like, you met my needs. And then I looked further and saw, like, you didn't just meet my needs. You actually got me some stuff that I actually wanted. And some of this stuff I hadn't played with or even told you thank you with in a long time. And so you're looking at this asking, how could I give this to you? I'm thinking about, how could I give you more? You've been so good to me. You've been so gracious to me. Now, at that moment, you probably would look at your kid and be like, who are you and what have you done with my child? Because so oftentimes, what are we as like as parents? It's like, that ain't your phone. That's my phone. I'll pay for that phone. You better be thankful for that phone. Your room. You don't even have a room. You can't even spell room. That's my room. You better be thankful. What if it was flipped, though? What if it was flipped? And all of a sudden, like all of us who were sons and daughters came to our parents and be like, I see you. I see your sacrifice. I see your love. I see your protection. I see you meeting my needs. I see you meeting my desires. And we honored. I think we would feel that. But you know what I would also think? Like if kids did that in your household, you would probably feel like it opened up the capacity for you to do even more for them. Like, you think I've been good to you. You wait till Christmas. And this is what we do on this generosity journey. People look at it. 
This year already as a church, we're not even five months in, we've given our tithe for what we want to make for the whole year. For the whole year. We literally have needs across every campus. Here at Lakeland, our bathrooms need remodeling in phase one. At Highland Colony, when it rains real hard, the building floods. We need new gutter systems. It's going to cost $67,000. At Poindexter, we've remodeled the inside. The outside still has not been touched. We want to make it glorious. We need about $100,000 to do that. It's about $75,000 for the restroom, $66,000 for the gutter system at Highland Colony, $100,000 for, for Poindexter. We've given four times that to other missionaries and ministries. And people are like, well, how could you do that? You have needs. And it's like, we care about their needs more than we care about our own. That's the truth. We care about God's kingdom more than we care about ours. And we have never seen in the process of time of doing that, that God didn't come in with his mighty hand and do for us what we never could do for ourselves. Why? Because the missionaries got the money. But God got the honor. And so I want to encourage you to go on this generosity journey. Everybody at all of our campuses today, you got a card. I want to encourage you, go and fill out that card. Drop it off in the receptacles. Drop it off at the the, the desk, welcome desk. Go online, fill out the card and find what level you're at. Are you on the introductory level? Are you on that level where you're inspired? It's like, I give Pastor Joe, man, I feel like it. (laughs) You know, okay, great, you're at that level. Are you a faithful giver? Are you a fearless giver? Man, I want to be a fearless giver. I think God, I I, I told him today, driving over here today from from Highland College, I'm like, I will swing over hell and spit in the devil's eye when it comes to generosity. Like, I'm, I'm unafraid to give. But I want to be a fearless giver. And if you're like me and you're there at that level where you're a fearless giver, it's like, why would I fill out the card? Because I've got some missionaries I want to tell you about. I want to be more strategic in funneling our power as a church to missionaries that need it. I want a band of mighty men and women who come alongside me and like, okay, let's go to war, David. Who who are we fighting and what are we fighting for? I want to go out there and see it. I want to go to Lebanon. I want to see the ground. I want to go over to Colombia. I want to go over to Brazil. I want to go over to these places. I want to go and see them, touch them, see the need, and come in and direct your resources and ours to meet those needs. And so if you are a fearless giver and you're there, I need you to fill out the card where I can tell you about those things. But I can remember when I was an introductory level giver, and I can remember when it's like it took every ounce of faith and love and devotion to give anything to God. I can remember holding Jackson so tight. Forget Benjamin. I didn't know what Benjamin looked like. Holding Jackson so tight, I think he cried. It's like I watered my seed because I cry every time I give. I like that kind of thing. Like I felt those moments. And man, I'm so thankful for what God did in my life. But I know so many of you are right there. So many of you are in that place where you've never given to a church on a regular basis. And 10%, you can't even dream of coming up to that level. You need to fill out the card. And somebody says, why? Because I want to do for you what I wish someone would have done for me. I want to send you some materials. I'm going to send you some things that strengthen your faith. That gets you in a position to see that I do not have to be a fearful giver. I can be a cheerful giver because I know God can make all grace abound towards me. I don't have to be manipulated into giving. Why? Because if I'm doing it simply because I feel like I have to, the church gets the money. 
But God got that. God got that resistance. God got that, again, God got that. And I want a church that is filled with faith. Like, God, I know you will. I know you will do this, but I got I to gotta know who you are. And I got to know where you're at to know what to send you, to know what direction to point you in. And so I want you to go on this generosity journey with us. Fill out the card. I, I really, I sense, even when I was praying for this, just a, a level of excitement in a big, big way for so many of you, genuinely. Like a level of excitement of like you're about to see God move. You're about to see God move in your life. I was praying just yesterday and I had a vision. I saw this, this missionary who wanted to do something for his wife. And I have an account. The, the account's name is Bless My Wife account. Literally, that's what the account is. It's called Bless My Wife. And so I put money aside to bless my wife. Because outside of the Lord Jesus, my wife. I love my wife. And so out of that, I, I set aside money for the Lord. I set aside money for my wife. And the Lord just met a need, really, or not a need, a desire in my wife's life that I was saving for. And the Lord said, that money you were saving for? He's like, I want you to send it to this missionary. And I saw this missionary sending money to other missionaries. Like years ago, I saw him sending money to other missionaries, and now he's looking at his finances, and he's like, I want to bless my wife, but I don't have the money I want to bless my wife with. And I see all this in a vision. And so the Lord said, the money you had saved up to bless your wife, send it to him to bless his wife and tell him this is bless your wife money. And so I send him, I'm like, this is bless your wife money. And he sends me back. He says, I'm crying. And he said, I was just literally sitting here feeling like I was not being a good husband because I didn't have what I needed financially to bless my wife. Come on, somebody. Come on. This is the kingdom of God. Like, this is what this is all about. And he's like, for God to see me, I'm like, bro, he does see you. I saw you. The Lord showed me you in a vision. Why? Because it's a memorial to him. When you gave to those missionaries, he did not forget it. When you sacrificed, he did not forget it. It's a memorial to him. And he's got servants all over the earth who at his beck and call will respond. I'm not just a man who has authority. I'm a man who's under authority. God tells me to go, I go. He tells me to give, I give. He tells me to serve, I serve. You know why? Because I know whose I am. And I know what he has done for me. And when you get to that place, you are dangerous. You are dangerous for the kingdom of God. But I just sense like some of you are about, I have an expectancy in my heart, like some of you are about to see God move. You're about to see God move in your life like never before at this place of honoring him like never before. Do not just hit send and send in your text to give. Do not just drop something off. Make it a moment of honor. Make it a moment of dignity. Make it a moment of love. Make it a moment of devotion. Don't just let the church get the money. Let God get your honor. Let God get your devotion. Let God get your faith. And I'm telling you, that honor, it opens up Jesus to do some mighty works in your life. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every single person here. 
I thank you for every gift. I thank you for every giver. I thank you for every single man, woman, boy, and girl across all of our campuses. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that you which began a good work, you will be faithful to finish it. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you're inspiring people like never before to be givers for your kingdom. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you, you arrest any heart and arrest any person and bring them in line with your will and bring them in alignment with your plan. Father, we love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.